Attack on Titan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second podcast in our little series that we're doing here. I hope you're all having a great day. Give me a second. Mm. I really should have had that water before we started filming, but I'm still getting used to the fact that I can't edit. It is so strange and it has been quite a week. So um, let's go ahead and wake up together. Yes, I am basically still waking up. I've been up for like a few hours, but your girl doesn't like look awake for at least the first three hours of her day. So you're coming in on the ride with me. So before we get into the craziness that happened on the Capitol, the thing I want to preface this episode with is that we're looking for the peace and the chaos. And I do think there is peace in the chaos. I think it is completely accessible to us. And I know it is because I feel it. And so I want to share with you sort of some of my methods for coping. I know I got a lot of people reaching out to me in the last week worried about me, people internationally, people in my own local areas who were concerned that I was unsafe or making sure that I was safe. And I am more than safe, right? I am great. So let's talk about sort of how we're going to go ahead and tackle this idea of being peaceful in the chaos, starting with a book I'm reading called Games People Play. It's called The Basic Handbook of Transactional Analysis by Eric Byrne, MD. And I actually was just flipping around and I was like, I need a good quote for the beginning of my podcast. I flipped open to this page and this is legit what it says. This is chapter six. All games have an important and probably decisive influence on the destinies of the players under ordinary social conditions, but some offer more opportunities than others for lifelong careers and are more likely to involve relatively innocent bystanders. And so when I think about this, like all games have an important and probably decisive influence on the destinies of the players under ordinary social conditions. I don't even know the context in which this is coming up, but it does for me, and this is how I like to look at life, is I, whether or not art or works of bodies of work were intended for a purpose, it's more like what can we get out of them individually, subjectively. And for me, when I'm thinking about the capital or anything else, I revert to the great Bible of anime. And I just recently started Attack on Titan, so of course it's in my brain. I'm dreaming about it. I have Titans in all of my dreams for the last few days. And I've been enjoying the story of of Attack on Titan, uh, an idea of a human civilization being, you know, overrun by another species that looks human but isn't human, and they don't know how to tackle it. But there are sympathizers within the groups. There are people who sort of have sympathy for the Titans. There are people who understand some of them can be more intelligent than others. There are some of them who look at them like the absolute, you know, God-fearing thing that they appear to be. And so it causes sort of a, a question of when the masses are fearful, what does that do to society? When only a few people are fearful, what does that do? What does it do when we have extremists, right? Like in Attack on Titan, there's like the, basically the religious extremists who are very much like the Titans are from God and how they react. And then we have sort of the people who are sort of like bystanders and they sort of have really hardcore concepts of we can trust our, you know, the elites to take care of us. There's this civilization they created with like um, exterior, intern exterior, exterior and interior interior, interior walls. Oh my God. And the thing that's so interesting about the way they set this up is they sort of insinuate that being at the center of this, this crazy village city thing that's been built, right? Protected by all these walls the Titans can't get through. It's like they say the center is the safest and people want to get there. But to me, the center seemed like a trap. It seemed like a prison. And I haven't finished the series, so I don't know if that's going to be the point of the series. But for me, 
So far, I was thinking I'd rather be on the outer walls or at least nearest to the outside because in my head, the outside is ultimately what's going to be their redemption and their salvation. Now, in the world's view of Attack on Titan, it's a hundred year span of Titan Titan rule. It's not really a rule so much as a, it's a war, but it is this idea that the outside world is Titan territory. But in my head, and in always, I think this is just like who I've been my whole life. I just assume that if somebody's trying to keep us safe in in the name of keeping us safe, somebody's also trying to trap us because it's kind of what it is. In BDSM, they often talk about this metaphor, at least amongst the people that I used to know, um, in like leather communities, they would talk about how there's a philosophy of DS, dominant and submissive relationships. When, when, when interacted with as a philosophy, a lifestyle, a form of spirituality, not just like something you do in the bedroom, there's sort of this, I guess, concept, right, of like a submissive being an independent, strong human who asks for somebody to take care of them in a specific manner. And so the dominant creates this sort of like field of flowers and the submissive can run wild and then eventually comes upon a gate and the submissive might question, well, why is this gate here? And the gate was there, the fence was put up at the request of the submissive. In a traditional DS relationship, the dom and the sub have a parasocial relationship, have a symbiotic relationship, sorry, not a parasocial, hello YouTube brain, have a symbiotic relationship, which means it's, it's like a circle, you know, it's a circle, <laughs> you know? It's this idea that we, we are there for each other. So the submissive makes the request to have restrictions and the dominant fulfills those restrictions by putting up a fence that was requested. And from the outside world, it might look like the submissive is being trapped, but the submissive asked for the cage. But that doesn't stop it from being a cage. Sometimes we put restraints on ourselves to give ourselves safety and those things are good, but sometimes we need to also branch out. So for me, the reason I feel so calm after this last week and the reason for me that I didn't really see what the big deal was about the capital was that it was expected. That if you're paying attention to more than Twitter or CNN or Fox News that is constantly trying to tell you that we all hate each other, what you're really going to find is a nation of people that are fearful and worried and concerned about their safeties. And when people are afraid, especially in large groups of people, let's say 10 or plus, you're going to have issues and issues that often result in violence or erratic behavior or or behavior that is done out of fear and then therefore makes other people afraid. Now everyone's afraid. I am not in any way, shape or form shocked about what happened in my concern really, or my observation of society is more, in, I'm more interested in the people who were surprised. Cause I wanna sit there and be like, you've been in COVID this whole time. You've had nothing but time on your hands and you've spent it being, doing, seeing, reading what? Like, what are you consuming that this was shocking? And also, what are you consuming that you didn't think people were feeling an unrest and not just because of Trump, but because of the news cycles. Why don't you give the same credit, have the same energy towards CNN and Fox News and, and media that you do against Trump when they equally incite violence constantly and constantly pit us against each other? So I, I just find it very sort of humorous. And I totally, you know, I listened to Bill Burr talk about it and I shared it on my YouTube timeline, which PS, I don't have a Twitter or an Instagram for the work that I do on YouTube. So for me, like my YouTube feed is sort of my social media, but I 
I guess I take his approach, which is like, I think he watched baseball or sports and I was watching anime and chilling. And I talked to some friends about it to double check my state of being to make sure that I wasn't just suppressing sort of my stress. But to be completely honest, I, I don't feel any stress over the people who went to the Capitol. I feel stressed about the people who are overreacting now. Because to be completely honest, I've been in protests most of my 20s, if not all my 20s, actually, pre even previous to my 20s, I was in protests. I've been on the conservative side of the Tea Parties. I've been on the leftist side of BLM. I've done all of these things, and no matter how violent or scary I got, and it does get scary, um, I never, I was just as calm then as I am now. And I think some of us are just, we expect there to be craziness, and we don't participate in the craziness, but we see it and we observe it. Think of any great anime, any great story. Think of Lord of the Rings. Think of any of your favorite TV shows. In a time of crisis, each character will react a certain way based off their predisposition of personality. And the question is, is like, who are you in this in this scenario? Are you somebody that's like, we will fight no matter what? Are you somebody who's calm and collected and thinks? Are you somebody that panics? We're all going to die. Are you somebody who goes, you know what? I'm just not interested in involving myself. Peace. Are you somebody that sits and waits and listens? Who are you when the shit gets real? Are you a panicker? Because I'm gonna be honest, the only people who ever scare me are panickers, are people who are so afraid they do really irrational things. Like with the Patriot Act, or with any overreach of the government coming into our homes, people think, well, the best thing to do is put everyone in a cage because the cage is safe. And yes, statistically, your life will be better if you do not take risks and if you do not go outside and if you do not meet strangers and if you do not do anything interesting, your life will be preserved, <clears throat> preserved and you'll probably live a long life. But whether that life is meaningful or whether that life is good or whether that life is fulfilling or whether that life is of love, whether or not you risk anything, well, that's to be determined. I mean, for myself personally, I don't think you ever experience real love, real heartache, real living. You, I don't think you can become a whole person unless you take risks. Now, I think there's like four things, right, we need to accomplish as human beings to be like whole people. And that's like our emotional state, our mental health state, our spiritual state, and our physical state. All of these things need to be completed in order for you to be a whole human. Otherwise, that's why we have continuous struggle. It's why you meet people in their 50s and 60s that are still acting like they're in their 20s or people who stunt themselves or people who do not get better. I think often they neglect certain parts of themselves. It's about a balance between making sure you're good physically, so your basic bodies. So much of our stress, so much of the panic and fear we have as humans is knowing we're not going to survive if shit actually hits the fan. So one of the things I do to reassure myself is to stay healthy, is to work out. I've been working out my abs. I've been working on my cardio. Hey, oh girl, I'm going to look fine as hell in three months. But it's like one of those things where I've been working on my... Um, my understanding of the world. I've been reading a lot more. I've been consuming different things. I've been focusing on um, podcasts and listening to how people feel about the world. I've been also listening to my neighbors. I've been talking to people and making sure that people do feel comfortable in their own skin. Because when shit hits the fan, do you know your neighbors? And I think we live in a country, in a world that says, I don't understand why the world doesn't understand me, but you don't even understand yourselves and you don't understand the world. I feel like I look at the people who went to the Capitol and I don't know very many people who are like these humans, to be completely honest. Like my MAGA family doesn't, like they weren't there. Averagey kind of Republican conservatives didn't go to these th this protest because they're not, they're not crazy, but like they're not those people. And I don't mean to make an insinuation that these people are like 
mentally unsound, but there obviously is a subset of culture that wears tinfoil hats and that believes conspiracy theories and that doesn't have a balance between what is the truth and what is wrapped around a conspiracy theory. I think there is a very good argument to be made that conspiracy theories are at least 40 to 50% true. Let's throw out a random percentage here, but they come from somewhere. And just like everything in life does, it always comes from somewhere. And so the question is, I wonder which parts of it are true. I wonder which, how we convey this information as true. What does this mean? And also how we consume and process information as being true. I've read so many articles in the last three, four, five, six years that have such misleading headlines. And until you read the article, you never really start to understand how misleading media is and how lazy people are. As I'm sure you've observed through your own habits, and I've done this as well, if we get in the habit of just reading the headlines and not going through the whole article, the honesty of the article is actually in there. And especially if you're somebody who maybe was new to the internet when The Onion came out, you might need to double check if it's parody or satire. And so for me, I'm not upset that humans are going to do what humans are going to do, right? P.S. Get the merch. But humans are going to human, and they're going to do the things that feel reasonable to them. It's actually one of the thing, the conundrums of sort of like, um, well, what about isms or well, why don't you do this? As an example, you'll often hear pro-choicers say things like, if you really think the babies were getting slaughtered in, in abortion clinics, you would go and, and burn down the abortion clinic and ram the doors down. But the thing is, is that a reasonable person can live in a society where they're murdering babies out in the public and still not do anything about it because they know the backlash isn't worth it. And when you say things like this, like, if you really wanted to, you know, take control of the government and prove it's for the people, you would burn down the Capitol. Well, people did and they tried and now they're all being put in jail. So it's a question of at one point as, as, as citizens and at one point as, as debaters and just when we have these discussions, are we actually inciting violence ourselves by saying things like, oh, well, if you really believe this was happening, you'd be doing this. I actually um, I heard, what, what podcast was I watching? It might have been Andrew Schultz, I don't remember. But what somebody was saying that there are things that are happening, that we know there's corruption in our government. We know because we, we know history, right? We know the basics of Nixon, or we know the basics of Putin, or we know the basics of China, or we know the basics of, we know enough to know people who seek power, which is why power corrupts, you know. These people are doing things that would make our stomachs turn but we allow them to do these things in exchange for our safety and our convenience and our comfortable, like our comfortable living. Um, and I don't blame you. Once again, I'm not blaming the world for wanting a Wally existence where everyone's fat and being force fed and being comfortable and being like just zoning out on television and VR and ready player one. I'm not upset that humans have gotten to a place of complacency. What I'm, what I'm sort of disturbed by and uncomfortable with is the knowledge that if I had to predict the future, I would predict sort of a, a, a worse before it gets better outcome. And that's frustrating, right? Because we're not special. I hear often on social media, people say, oh, it's 2020, bro. How do people not know X? Or it's 2021, bro. How are people still transphobic or racist or homophobic? I don't know how to tell people this, but um, your worldview isn't universal. And because it's not universal, it means everyone is learning things at different times around the world. The world isn't moving in one harmonious like group, right? We're all different people with different educational backgrounds and belief systems and cultures and, and different experiences in terms of war and famine and sexism and homophobia. And we're not all experiencing the same story. So 
this idea, this like young people idea. And I know it's young people. And in some ways we should just ignore them and tell them to be quiet or have them be on Twitter and ignore them. But adults for what politicians love to appease the youth. And I, I don't blame them to some extent because the youth has money. Um, well, they have their parents' money. I don't know. It's very confusing. It's like, how does the youth also, why are they the laziest generation and also the wealthiest? And how do kids move, you know, money around because parents buy things for them? So are the parents complacent? All these things are very interesting to me in terms of observation. But there's something happening here, right? There's there's not a clear-cut bad guy. There's not a clear-cut answer. There's not a clear-cut solution. And so people are panicking. Who do we look to? Who do we look to? Who's going to give us the answers? I get messages all the time from people who say things like, Brittany, I'm relying on your content to tell me what to do. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I know how Joe Rogan felt. <clears throat> Excuse me, when people were saying things like, hey, who's Joe voting for? That's going to inform me. It's like, yo, you guys need to take the into consideration everyone's opinions but also just like maybe no one's opinions or maybe certain people's opinions like right now on the on my desk I have um Jonathan hates uh the righteous mind I have Susan Feldini Feldini I don't know how to say her name Feldi Feldigi anyway backlash it's a feminist book I have you know what I mean I have Anne Rice I have I have like all these I have Eric Byrne you know I have all these books right here next to me and as I read little and little of each book you know all the time to try to understand an idea I'm not looking to one person for the answers. I'm looking to a collective of minds to come up with good solutions. But like any good anime where there's a council of people, i.e. fairy tale or anything else, there's always something happening behind the scenes that people can't account for. Whether it's biases or trauma or anything else that make us, make a human, make a decision that isn't always <clears throat> with, the, with the best um, information at hand. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to lie, dudes. I'm, I got like no sleep last night because I was up thinking about this. I was up thinking about, okay, like how do I tackle this issue on my channel? How do I, how do I reassure the world that there is hope and that you can be calm and that you can move through this with, with a great understanding of, yes, we're living in a time where this is our story. Human beings repeat history. History does not repeat itself. So we cannot be shocked, right, that we're moving into a sort of generation of, of um, slothiness. There is a gluttony issue. There's a slothiness issue happening. And I, I don't blame the world for being confused about what to do because we're never given good, good, strong ideas of what is to be human. So as an example, when I was growing up, a lot of conservative narratives were don't give it to homosexuality, don't give it to porn because those things will corrupt you. And on the left, it was don't give in to guns and violence and video games because those things will corrupt you. These things are only alive because of us. And how we remain disciplined is the key. If the left and the right in terms of politics, in terms of moral politics, came together and said, maybe we should give people the tools, though I'm going to argue our leaders don't have it themselves and that's why they struggle, but if we listen to philosophers or if we listen to people who actually were interested in not being afraid of the answers, um, then we would come to the conclusions that it's not the guns or the porn or the homosexuality or anything else that fucks up society. It's, it's what people do with it and it's how they lack discipline. In my mind's eye, it's always going to be discipline is the answer. Everything in, in, in a, a rational um, consumption amount. So obviously... 
when I'm observing society and it's gluttonous and it's just taking and taking and taking and taking. I mean, COVID was supposed, COVID could have been a blessing for a lot of people. It could have been your opportunity to get the bag. It could have been your opportunity to start a new career. It could have been your opportunity to learn to cook for yourself, to learn how to budget better. But people didn't, in a mass way, use this as a way to be better. Instead, they were breaking up with their partners, they were getting divorced, they were beating their children, they were getting more stressed, they were realizing the lives they chose weren't their you know, ideal lives. And in some ways that's good, in some ways it's bad. But one of the things that I thought Andrew Schultz said a while back that I thought was interesting is he said, um, for the for the you know for him and other people like Tim Dillon, they they really got the bag this year because they used COVID as a great, let's figure this out. You know, let's fucking figure out how to make money, right? And they're independent artists like I am. They're contractors, right? They're trying to make money. So why did they figure it out? And then who didn't? So Andrew Schultz said like he noticed which comedians didn't use this as a chance to succeed. Which ones were like, oh man, I'll do it after COVID, you know? And he looked at them and he was like, fuck, you're not in it to win it. Because yeah, when you're like mega rich, maybe you can take a chill pill, but you'll notice a lot of people didn't, right? What makes Ellen keep working? Why does Joe Rogan keep working? Why do these people keep working if they're worth so much? Why don't they make their bag and quit their job after a while and just call it a day? Because there's a hunger in them to keep going. You, As much as you might want to criticize people for their beliefs or the way they've handled things, that's different. The point is, is that there's a reason why Hollywood and, and entertainment is so hard. There's a reason why people don't stick around. Like, there's a reason why it is such a struggle. And it's because you're competing against other people who are talented, but you're also competing for people's time. And though I think there's an audience for everyone out there, what are you gonna do when shit hits the fan? And are you gonna use it as an opportunity to show that you're a badass, to show that you can compete, to show you're one of like one of the competitors? So I definitely think for me, an observation of the capital, the way that I've stayed calm is that I've prepared myself. I've been reading books my whole life. I've been staying in shape, you know, my whole life, except for that stint when I was in Seattle and I got fat because I was depressed, but I recognized it, right? I realized I was like, I'm abusing my body. I'm overeating. I'm over, I'm gluttonous. Look how, look how privileged I am in my poor ass apartment getting fat. And I know like poor people in America are convinced and told by these stupid fucking companies and these politicians that like your sodas are killing you or that poor people can only eat shitty food, but that's just bullshit, right? And I'm telling you from an immigrant standpoint, my parents are immigrants, like from our standpoint, we just ate our own food, our culture's food. And if you're born in America and you don't have healthy food as your culture, because maybe McDonald's or Burger King is your culture, maybe you should start checking out other people's food. Because I'm going to be honest, the rest of us around the world seem to manage just fine. Like there are many countries who have a huge disparity in, in income and economy um, based struggles in terms of food and somehow we manage. And I think people need to consider that in the richest country in the world, y'all are poor as fuck and getting fat as fuck. And it's confusing to see because normally in other parts of the world, fatness is a sign of wealth, not, not well, not being poor. So again, you know, it's not an attack on the poor or anyone else. It's attack on the people who are convincing the people at the bottom that this is it, that this is your life. And I just don't believe that. I'm not, I'm not, I do not fucking believe. I don't buy it for a second. I have more faith in you because I had faith in myself and I saw myself overcome. I can see you overcoming. I know you can do it. And so for me, my message today is to keep calm by self-preservation. Do the basics. And before we jump further into that conversation, let's hear from our sponsor, which is, of course, 
patrons. Thank you, Patreon, for being here. Let's run the ad. Hi, hello. Are you a loser who spends all their time on the computer pondering their own existence? Me too. Join us on Patreon for just a dollar to meet hundreds of people who are exactly like you or nothing like you or somewhat like you. On Patreon for just a dollar, you'll have access to live shows, collaborations, and conversations. Oh, and of course, photo shoots of me looking like a hoe. So join us there and enjoy the ride. Thanks, bye. So what are we gonna do to tackle the basics? We're gonna eat better, okay? We're gonna get our bodies into shape. We're gonna start small. Don't beat yourself up if you're only losing a pound a month. I don't care what it is, but you've gotta lose that weight, homie. You've got to start losing the weight. America has an obesity epidemic and COVID has proved time and time again that being fat does not help with your health, right? It is killing you. So first, in order to survive the change in our weather, the change in our food, the change in our, you know, our sickness um, possibilities, we need to focus on our health. So we're going to lose the weight. Okay, we're going to lose the weight by eating healthier and getting out of our houses or at least buying a treadmill you're actually going to use. Don't both flex me right now. Make sure you use what you buy, okay? And then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to read more. If you're dyslexic like I am, I understand it's a struggle. There are audiobooks, or you can, I have mild dyslexia, so I can read pretty well. Like I, I read pretty fast and, and comprehend it really well. Um, but I am not academically inclined. I'm not coming at you from some pretentious college degree. I'm telling you right now, I'm like a regular person. I barely graduated high school. I was told my whole life, like I wouldn't be able to get anywhere without a college education because I, I do not test well. Like I comprehend things. I can comprehend ideas, but I test very poorly. And so I was just considered a dumb kid. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that this does not define you. Like those tests do not define you. What you do with free information at your your fingertips does define you. So we're gonna utilize the internet and you can even read conspiracy sites, but confirm the information you're consuming. So if somebody says we never landed on the moon, then you better learn everything there is about the moon before you decide that's the truth. Same with religion. Before you pick a religion, you should probably know about that religion inside and out to some extent. Otherwise, you're literally basing your one single chance at existence off of some other man or woman's ideas of reality. So, okay, you're going to want to focus on your intelligence. You're going to want to focus on your emotional health. Your emotional health is key. Making sure your like your spiritual, your spirituality is balanced. And I know that's hard for some people to think of, you know, sitting still for five seconds, but if you can even for five minutes a day, just sit and do deep breathing, You know, for five minutes, I'm telling you, you will see a difference. Five minutes. That's all I'm asking. Can you please, in the time of literally COVID, can you give yourself five minutes to breathe? And that's going to help you focus your spiritual aspects. And then, of course, your um, mental health. Your mental health is really huge. You have to decipher if whether or not you have something permanent you need to tackle or something situational. I suffered from depression and suicidal tendencies and thoughts and attempts for like literally like like 15 plus years. And everyone around me thought that I had chronic depression, that I was like chemical and that I would have it for the rest of my life. And then I got diagnosed with borderline and then I got help for borderline through um, DBT. And then I realized, holy shit, once I like literally subsided my BPD episodes, I'm over a year clean now of symptoms or or triggers rather, like I haven't been triggered um, and had a borderline episode in that time. Oh my God, I'm going to sneeze. And it's a podcast, so I can't cut it out. Oh, it's weird. Okay, so... Once I figured that out, right, I was able to realize like the anxiety and the depression and all those things completely went away. So, 
Okay. Whew. So that, oh, I feel like I just cleared up my whole vocals. Hold on. I'm going to blow my nose on a podcast. I'm sorry. God bless you. Oh my God. Blowing nose ASMR. Blowing nose ASMR. Yes. Okay. We're into this. So after I was able to do that, I was able to realize like the depression, the anxiety, they were symptoms of a problem. Okay. So now I don't even have those problems. Now I never even think about killing myself. I'm happy every day. I wake up and I go to bed happy. And somebody actually recently asked me, P.S. Check out Patreon for one-on-one Skype calls where we can have these discussions. Um, They asked me, so does that mean you're like happy just like throughout the day or like at one point of the day? I'm happy all day. Like I have literally no reason not to be happy all day. And happiness is very hard. America has really confused happiness as sort of this like um, money-based thing or this like what I can show for it thing or everything else. And for me, it just means that I, I, I wake up happy. I don't have, I don't have days where I'm unnecessarily sad, which means I'm only sad when it's appropriate. Like, oh, my family member died. I'm sad. Oh, I can't, you know, do what I want to do. Like, let's say I want to help somebody and I can't, I'm sad. I have hard days because life is hard and I choose to challenge myself. So a lot of the time my projects are difficult and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting frustrated, but I don't have sad days or bad days that are unnecessary. I don't really have bad days. Like I've been so happy for the last year plus that I, I don't know. Once I figured out these four things, once I figured out these four things, I just completely changed in terms of my demeanor. I just feel so good about life that everything that's chaotic feels fine. If you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang's issue is figuring out the physical. He's got the spiritual sort of down with um, the airbending and sort of, you know, comes into the spirit world relatively on his own and does pretty well for himself. And then if you go to Korra, Korra struggles with the spiritual, the airbending because she's so grounded. And so sometimes we forget that we need both. You know, if you needed the metaphor of an anime or the metaphor of a, a movie to get you where you need to go, then you need to understand life is that journey. We are all Frodo's thrown into the mix of a journey and obligation we have to society, culture, or ourselves and we have troubles, we have temptations, we have burdens, we have personality differences, we have, we have, uh, you know, the hardships of this is taking so long, and I just want to give up. But then we have to remember, like Attack on Titan, you have to keep fighting, you have to keep going, you cannot give up. And if you know, you feel yourself needing to give up, you need to understand that you need to get a grasp on reality. Like you need to figure out why you want to give up. Because if you can figure out why you want to give up, then maybe you'll have a better understanding of how to stop giving up. This isn't easy. This is hard. And this is difficult. And I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done myself. (coughs) God bless America. Oh my God. The mixture of my allergies and like my sinuses and I'm just a hot mess and I'm moving PS not my house I'm moving rooms I'm going upstairs this is downstairs so I'm going upstairs and oh my gosh it's just like I'm so sorry I hope this podcast is in total shit but <laughs> I, I'm glad that you guys are here and I'm glad that you're working through it with me so once I tackled those four things, it's just, it changed my whole life. And I want that for you. I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done myself. I'm not asking you to do something that I think is impossible. I think it's more than possible. And I, and I do want to encourage you people <clears throat> to check out, um, 
to, ch to just read everything first and foremost. I know people are always asking me for book it, book recommendations. I, I get overwhelmed with these questions because it's kind of like an anime recommendation. It's like, I've watched hundreds of animes, right? I've read thousands of books. I've watched thousands of movies. Like, how do I even begin to recommend a book or a movie or anything? So what I do on my YouTube feed or on Patreon is I'll share what I'm reading at the moment. But it's not me endorsing it. It's not me saying anything more than, hey, I'm reading this and I'm learning something from it. But that's me. I learn something from everything. I, I don't struggle to see the lesson in anything I consume. Even if the lesson is, this is trash. It's still a good lesson I've learned. I don't believe in this idea that, oh, people go down grapevines and they get corrupted by information. No, I just think sometimes people don't have the foundation to decipher good from bad. One of the reasons people start believing crazy conspiracy theories is because they don't have a foundation of reality that allows them to decipher what is crazy people talk and what is possible possible talk. And so for me, my, my whole belief system is never limit information, never limit choice, never limit access to things, but instead give people better tools. You will notice that instead of educating people to be better, we're just banning things as if that is the reasonable thing to do. No, that is the easy thing to do. And if you're always going to choose the easy thing, of course you're afraid that some people, a small group of humans in terms of the whole United States went and did something crazy on the Capitol. And you have to remember for me, this is a numbers game. I look at numbers for COVID. I look at numbers for the protesters. I look at numbers of police cars blown up at BLM protests. The numbers do not support the fear people are feeling, but the actions support the unrest that people are experiencing. So remember, I'm at a big proponent of protesting. I'm a big proponent of people being able to freely do these things. I do not support destroying things or stealing things or blowing up cop cars that we pay for. But I also don't expect humans to not be ridiculous when they're in ridiculous situations. I also think protesting is just, you know, it's very American. You know, in other countries, they blow up buildings all the time. I recommend not doing that in America. But to say that protesting is somehow this peaceful thing, yes, sometimes in sub subgroups. I've definitely been to a lot of protests where it's peaceful, and I've been to, definitely been to a lot of protests where it gets violent. It's usually subgroups. So, like, the group over here is going to be peaceful. The group over here is going to be violent. The anarchists are going to come out and blow shit up because they're bored. The weird Antifa people are going to come over and, like, ruin everything. Like, we all have these groups of people that show up to our protests and are like, oh, great, they're here. But that's the thing. When you invite a whole group of people to come be crazy, you're going to get the crazy people who are going to come out and be crazy. Like, I just don't understand why that's shocking to people, except that people must not be paying attention. There is no way that if you've been paying attention, this, this protest on the Capitol was in any way a surprise. Just, it just was so predictable, right? I, I'm... I looked at, like, I watched maybe, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes of the live footage and then went, okay, yeah, it seems like about right. Seems about predictable. Like, I guess what I'm asking you guys to do is in the comment sections below, tell me, was this a surprise to you? And what are you most afraid of? And why are you afraid? And what is it that's scary to you? And if you're afraid of these protesters who are just a bunch of, random people who show up to steal podiums right they didn't even do anything when they had the chance like they literally got up there and then they didn't do anything it's like okay if if these people are you're afraid of them right then why do you think like 
Isn't that just the same feeling everyone has when they see protesters? I don't know. I'm not very petty and I just don't, I don't, I think people got here because our leadership sucks. And I think that's from Trump to CNN to everyone in office. Like the same people who've been in office for 40 years, we've had the same history every decade. I, until I see the people actually firing everyone in office right now and saying, nope, we're going to start from scratch. No one, no one, no one who's been in office in the last five years can run again type thing. Or no one who's been in office for 15 years plus can run again. I, I just don't believe you want change. I think you want someone to tell you what to do. I think I, you want someone to keep you safe. And I think you want someone to do the hard labor for you. I would think you want someone to produce your food for you, to give you water, to tell you this is what you should eat, to tell you you can only afford this. I think truthfully, people want a master. They want a parent. They want a, a wise man. They want a, somebody in charge to bring them comfort. And I don't blame you, but I most certainly am not going to engage with you like you are not a part of the problem, right? Like I'm not going to look at you and expect you, like I'm not going to stroke your ego and tell you, oh yeah, you're one of the good ones. No, you're one of them. You're one of all of us. You're a human. You're a human going through a journey and for some reason you've been told that somehow you're exceptional and that you have the right to do things that other people don't have the right to do and X, Y, and Z and Maybe that's true, maybe it isn't. And I'm talking in generals right now because to be honest, there's no way to tackle this issue without examining the individual. And I don't know you. I just know what you guys do in numbers. I just know what people do in numbers. And in terms of the numbers, people want authority to tell them what to do. And then the individuals, the artists, the rebels, the like people who go against the grain are often told no and you're not supposed to and then those people get old and they start to integrate into society and they realize oh shoot I'm rich now so I also need to be part of the system and so they start to appeal to the system and that's why you see huge rebellious people who in their youth used to stick a middle finger to the man now sucking the teat of a man like it's very funny to watch but I don't blame them right they're all number twos living in a world where they rebelled for a second and thought they knew the world for what it was and then fell back into it and the number two is a reference to my philosophy of the levels, which you can reference down in the description. But basically, when you watch somebody who I, like, I love, I love, I love, love, love certain artists, but it is clear that their art transcends their own ability to comprehend reality. And that's what's interesting to me is the human mind has the ability to see the world for what it is and to experience it through art but it's too afraid to experience it in real life. And that means what does it look like when you actually are honest with yourself and say, yeah, actually I would like somebody who's smart enough in charge to make my life easy every day. Or yes, I want a certain amount of challenges during the day, but maybe not a full on, if I don't make it, I die in the streets challenge. Or maybe what's so hard about saying, right, that that the system is the same no matter who you are and then at the end of the day we have different rules for our teams like what what is what's wrong with saying that well then it would admit that you're just like the people that you live to hate you live to hate people and it's amazing to me i don't hate anyone on the capitol i don't hate anyone who's protest for vlm i don't hate trump i don't hate biden i don't hate any of them i just see them as the people that the people wanted people wanted trump people wanted biden I don't know why, 
I mean, I know why you say you want them, but even choosing them doesn't reflect what you say your values are. So your values must not be what you say they are. And so again, for me sitting in my little forest home in the middle of America where my neighbors are dope as fuck and on my right, I got the anti-Trumpers. Literally, they have like resist on their bumper stickers. And then on my left, I've got the Trump voters literally with their MAGA stuff. And we're all chilling up here, man. We're doing great. And we love our lives and we love our communities and we're here for each other. And when shit goes wrong, I know they're going to be chill as fuck. But for you guys in the city where you don't even know your neighbors, good luck. No wonder you're afraid because you don't even know your neighbors. Do you go out and meet your neighbors? Because let's be real. I remember I lived in the city with my sister and, you know, we had like a building of like six units and I, you know, in a big plaza, apartment plaza. And I went to each of the neighbors in my direct building and I made them cookies and bread and I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Brittany. I'm new to the building, blah, 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 blah. And my sister was like, girl, you crazy. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm introducing myself to the neighbors. Like you should introduce yourself to your neighbors. And if you're not doing that, then it's much easier to be afraid of somebody who doesn't have a face. I can't be afraid of my neighbors, whether they're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, because I know them. They're not going to kill me. Like, they're not going to hurt me. They know me. They know who I am because I get, I spend the time getting to know them. And that's the thing. If you don't spend the time getting to know people and you just know people, you know, as usernames, it's going to be much easier to wish death upon them or jail for 40 years or trauma without taking into consideration that these people are often taking action because they feel like they have no choice. Compassion means to suffer with. And if there's one thing I've learned in my life, it's to gain the humility to learn compassion. To realize that I do, I suffer with all of these people in different ways. And at the same time, I can tell them, you're making a mistake by reacting this way. You're overreacting. When you blow up a police car, you're overreacting. When you storm the Capitol, you're overreacting. When you get on Twitter and demand Trump goes to jail forever, you're overreacting. When you say that these people deserve to die, you're overreacting. And I just hope that I can give you some some way to know that you don't have to overreact. That you don't have to assume the worst in everyone. That you can be a little bit more self-aware and say, how am I acting within my values? And stick to that. It would be incredibly hypocritical of me right now to condemn the protesters on the Capitol for protesting their government because I believe you should protest your government. So instead, I have to condemn the, the, the idea that they thought this was the best route of action overall when there could have been a better way to do it. And I condemn the overreaction but not the literal action of protesting the government. In the same way that I support BLM and I said the, the movement, not the nonprofit, I support BLM as a concept. I support black Americans and their right to, to make, <clears throat> make headway with race relations. Like I support that, but to say that blowing up a cop car was necessary, like you're overreacting. And so for me, it's about being consistent with my values. I support your right to be heard and seen and express yourself. To which, in which way you do that, to, to what goal, you know, that's up to the individual. But from where I'm sitting right now, where I am dying of allergies, 
I am happy every day. I feel very good about my existence and the existence of humanity. I have more than enough faith that human beings will get a little worse for a while and then get a lot better and we'll be fine. If you can do those four things, okay? And the fifth thing to tack on is to know your neighbors. But if you can work with your mental, emotional, physical, and intellectual health, and then meet your neighbors and actually get to know them and understand where they're coming from, then there's, I have more than enough faith in our country and in the world. And it most certainly starts with yourself. Okay? So let's focus on that this week. I'm going to actually head on out because that's all I have to say. It is a much shorter podcast than before. I'm going to get used to how to do this long form because I'm by myself. And my allergies are working up and I feel like a hot mess. And oh my God. But hey, check out my new uh, Teddy Fresh, you know, it's nice, right? I feel very good. So with that said, fashion aside, I wish you guys the most fantastic day. I hope you just, you know, you feel good after listening to this. I hope you go out there and get something done for you. And I hope in that process, you find that peace that you're looking for. Because I think ultimately that happiness that America is trying to sell to you through like face masks is really, what you're really looking for is that peace. (sighs) So you can take a breath every day and realize, okay, no matter how bad it's gonna get, you're gonna fight. No matter how good it is, you're gonna be humbled by the fact that it is good instead of complacent. All right, guys, talk to you soon. Bye. I'm just fine, yet all I do is whine Not to you in my mind, cause I know I don't make sense I've been nothing but blessed, so why's my life a mess? Please tell me, cause I'm sick of thinking Yeah, I'm sick of reaching out for the truth And living life as a fool Dun, 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 dun.